The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. The market's record run rolls on, with the S&P joining the new all-time high club on the back of a busy earnings season. Fresh taper talk from Atlanta's Fed chief as he warns of the lingering impact of inflation on the economy. One of your key morning stock stories today is Snap, as shares plummet on weaker revenue figures, dragging other social media names down with it. Evergrande, remember that name? Avoiding default for now, as the Chinese property developer reportedly makes a very key bond payment. And a deal amongst the Democrats, as President Biden says he's close to an agreement within his party to pass the key components of his economic agenda. It is Friday, October 22nd, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good Friday morning. I am Dominic Chewin for Brian Sullivan today, and here is how your money and the global markets are setting their day up. Stock futures right now are indicating what we'll call a more stable open. Right now, the Dow is implied higher by just about 29 points. The S&P lower by about one point, and the Nasdaq down by roughly 49 points. It's been the focal point for many investors these days. Now, all of this is happening with the Nasdaq being hit especially hard by disappointing earnings from a number of tech companies. We'll have more on that story coming up. Also checking on Treasuries on the back of yesterday's better-than-expected jobs data, the 10-year benchmark U.S. Treasury note yield currently just about 1.69%. So again, moving towards the highest level since May, the two-year note yield just about 47 basis points, or 0.47%. Turning now to the energy sector, West Texas Intermediate, U.S.-based crude oil, currently at, you can see, $82.79, up about one-third of 1%. Ice Brent crude futures, $84.91, or about one-third of 1% gains as well. Anybody who's been to the pump lately has known that gasoline prices have moved alongside those oil prices higher. And then looking at cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, currently, you can see right now, just at about up 63600 the last trade there, up nearly 1%. Ethereum, Ether, right now up 1.5%, 41.51 the last trade there. This, of course, after hitting the new record high of 66,398 or thereabouts for Bitcoin earlier this week. Well, let's now go worldwide. Asia wrapping up the week with a very mixed session. Juliana Tettelbaum is live in our London newsroom with a look at the early trade over there and, of course, wrapping up here, uh, rather uh, getting started in London. Over to you. Dom, good morning. So here in Europe, markets are off to a positive start this Friday morning after a basically flat week so far. We've got the majority of regions here in Europe trading higher. Earnings continue to be a focal point. Investors also keeping an eye on COVID cases, which uh, continue to rise here in the UK. So that's becoming a story that people are just uh, putting a little bit more focus on recently. But so far, investors looking through the rising cases and putting more money to work in equity markets. I want to highlight a few of the big movers 
for you, starting with L'Oreal. Shares have surged this morning. L'Oreal third quarter sales beat analyst expectations, jumping 13% compared to last year amid strong Chinese demand, which is crucial for the L'Oreal consumer. Vivendi sales, meanwhile, came in 10% higher at nearly 2.5 billion euros in revenue, beating analyst expectations. The French media group has spun off its most prized asset, as I'm sure you all know, the Universal Music Group last month in Europe's largest listing of the year. And then finally, in the auto space, Renault has warned of bigger than previously forecast production losses due to what else? The global chip shortage. But the French car maker kept its profit outlook for the full year unchanged. We are seeing a bit of a pullback, though, in Renault shares down about 1.3%. Tom? All right, Juliana Tettelbaum, live in London with the latest there. Thank you very much. Let's get a look at some of your morning's top stories. Silvana Hinao is here with those. Good Friday morning, Silvana. Good Friday morning to you, Dom. Shares of Evergrande on the rise in overseas trading after the Chinese property developer reportedly made a key bond payment. According to Reuters, the embattled company made the roughly $83 million payment today after missing it last month. That triggered a 30-day grace period, which was set to expire tomorrow. Had Evergrande missed the deadline, it would have entered former default. Back here in the U.S., President Biden says he's close to striking a deal with Democrats to pass his infrastructure and spending measures. Biden given that optimistic outlook amid the ongoing internal party fighting during a CNN town hall last night. But the president added that raising corporate tax rates was not likely to be part of the plan, with a separate minimum corporate tax proposal likely funding the trillions in new spending. And Atlanta Fed Raphael Bostic says he expects an interest rate hike coming later next year. Speaking on Closing Bell yesterday, Bostic said some of the economic challenges stemming from COVID-19 will fade and make way for stronger growth. One challenge he doesn't see fading, though, is inflation. This is going to last into 2022. Uh, part of what uh, the, the ultimate answer to how long this will take will be uh, will be how quickly we resolve some of the, 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 the uh, coronavirus issues, as well as some of the supply chain challenges that are happening at a global level. Bostic adds that if the Fed needs to take steps to control rising prices, he will encourage the central bank to take definitive steps to prevent deep damage. Dom, back to you. All right. Thank you very much for those headlines, Silvana. Hey, now let's stick with inflation. Is everyone of the same mind as Raphael Bostic and his Fed colleagues that it is going to hang around for several more months before tailing off some sometime next year? Let's ask Sean Snyder, head of investment strategy at Citi's U.S. Wealth Management Division. Sean, thank you very much for joining us. You heard those comments from Fed Chief Rafael Bostic down in Atlanta. Does it feel as though the Fed is changing its tune a little bit from the more casual, its transitory remarks that we heard just months ago? Uh, first off, good morning. Thanks for having me. I actually agree with what Mr. Bostic said. I, I think inflation, you know, we know it's here, but the question is, will it stay for dinner? And, and I think it will in, in some ways. And what I think is kind of going ignored is really energy prices are very visible. We know that they're rising, particularly with uh, the crisis in Europe. But shelter prices are the things that are actually making CPI stick around and stay more elevated. And the reason that happens is we saw a 21 percent rise in national home prices, and, and that actually leads shelter prices in the CPI component by about a year. So we're seeing a firming of those shelter prices, and that makes up about a third of the CPI component. So I think inf inflation stays elevated, um, but I do think it still comes down. So I think it, it comes down from its current levels 
to maybe something in line of like 3% for 2022. So if we use the markets as, as more of an indicator right now, we watch things like break-even rates, the difference between Treasury securities and similar tenor, uh, I guess, inflation-projected securities, and they don't show that things are going to get that bad down the line, at least not from a five- or ten-year perspective. How exactly then are, the, are the markets handicapping this kind of rising inflation scenario in, in, in the way that it's not exactly showing up massively sometime down the line, although we're feeling the pain right now? Well, I think it goes along with the story of constantly climbing this wall of worry, right? So I think they're willing, investors are willing to look through a, a lot of issues. But to say that it's not having any impact, I think is probably not true because you're probably seeing interest rates rise due to, you know, the prospect for more lasting inflation. And you're seeing the energy sector and the financial sector be the top uh, performing sectors this year. And they trade uh, highly correlated to the 10-year Treasury yield. So I think inflation is feeding through in that way, and you are seeing large moves in those two sectors. So to say that you know investors aren't reacting to it at all, I, I think it's probably a mistake. I think they are, and um, I think you're seeing that in energy and financials. But are they extremely worried? It doesn't seem like that. So, so what, what then do you go after? What, how, how do you allocate you know, assets at this point, given the fact that we've seen a run-up a massive run-up in, 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 say, energy stocks, energy prices. Where else do you go for, for that trade now, if that's what your view is going to be, that inflation will be somewhat persistent in the coming months and quarters? Well, I think energy and financial still make sense for a period of time. And, and I think if you look at value companies, right, the earnings of value companies in this earnings season, uh, just a few weeks ago, we were expecting about 28% rise in adjusted EPS, and they're coming in at about 30, 37%. Uh, adjusted EPS, so beating by about 10%. So they're still doing pretty well. To me, the story is what happens in 2022. And if you look at the earnings forecasts for 2022, value company earnings face tough comparisons. And the expectation is actually for a decline <laughs> the whole year of minus 0.1%, whereas growth, uh, uh, growth adjusted EPS are expected to rise by about 10%. So I think the narrative will change as, as we enter next year as we get into these kind of mid-cycle conditions, and you know, I don't hear a lot of investors talking about it, but Atlanta Fed GDP is tracking at just 0.5%. Uh, Wall Street consensus forecasts for economic growth for third quarter is down to 25 to 3%. Uh, so we'll see how that changes the story. I think people may be surprised next Thursday when we uh, get the GDP prime. Seems like a bumpy road for sure. Sean Sander at City, thank you very much. Have a nice weekend, sir. When we come back on the show here, your morning's big money movers, including shares of Intel, falling as that company feels the impact of the global computer chip shortage, plus WeWork capping off its roller coaster ride to the public markets. How shares stacked up on its first day of trading. And then later on, regulators officially unveiling their plan to help combat climate-related risks to the financial sector. We've got a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this break. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
people today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome back. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories of the morning. First up, you've got Chipotle. Third quarter profits more than doubled and same store sales beat forecasts as customers returned to eating inside at restaurants and paid up for smoked brisket and other new menu items. Chipotle has raised prices twice and delivery prices three times in the past year. Those shares down about three quarters of one percent pre-market. Stock number two, Intel. Third quarter sales missing forecast. The company also predicting lower profit margins in the year ahead as it tries to regain the lead in making the world's fastest computer chips and wraps up through factories. Intel also says that shortage of other chips needed to make computers are holding back its sales of its own flagship semiconductors. Those shares, by the way, down 10 percent in the pre-market trade. And finally, your disaster du jour, Snap. Shares are plunging right now as the company says ad sales are being hurt by the privacy changes that Apple rolled out to its iOS operating system earlier this year. Those shares are down 20 percent right now. That's making it harder for companies that sell ads based on the information they collect on users' interests and location. Snap's slump is also impacting the other social media stocks, as you can see there. All right. Call it a tale of two tech giants coming up. How Google's recent App Store changes are providing a big boost to some of these types of stocks. Those names are coming up ahead. Well, still on deck for the show, a Nobel Prize up for grabs for the right price. And a historic horror house is hitting the market. And the look at your top trending stories is coming up. Stay right here. Today's big number, $100 billion. That's how much deal activity in healthcare has reached so far this year. Deal count hit a new record in Q3, up 15% from the prior quarter. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. All right, it's just about 5.18 a.m. Eastern Time. That's a live shot of... Times Square in New York City, Midtown Manhattan showing a lot more signs of life these days compared to what we saw six to nine months ago and certainly a year ago there. Well, let's move across over to Midtown there on the other side. Let's check on this morning's other top headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York there with the latest. Good Friday morning, Philip. 
Hey, Dom. Good Friday morning to you. Over a month after the search began, the FBI confirming human remains found in a Florida nature reserve are those of Brian Laundrie. He was the sole person of interest in Gabby Petito's disappearance and murder. Petito's remains were found in Wyoming. Her death ruled a homicide. The coroner saying she died by strangulation. Federal agents say they'll continue to process evidence gathered at the scene, including a backpack and notebook that apparently belonged to Laundrie. The Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office says one person was killed and another injured when actor and producer Alec Baldwin fired a prop gun on the set of his new movie called Rust. A spokesperson from the set calls this an accident involving a prop gun with blanks. The film's director of photography, Helena Hutchins, was taken to the hospital and later died. Officials say that no charges have been filed, adding that the investigation is ongoing. There is growing concern this morning at the Pentagon over the Chinese military's increasingly aggressive behavior. According to defense officials, that includes the testing of a hypersonic glide vehicle. The missile circled the globe at five times the speed of sound before cruising at its target. Officials tell NBC News the flights were both to intimidate Taiwan and to give Chinese pilots a chance to learn the airspace. No Baker Mayfield, no problem for the Browns on Thursday night football. Cleveland capped off an explosive first drive with a touchdown on the ground. The Broncos would respond, though. They got a score of their own in the third. But a Case Keenum pass to Johnny Stanton later in the quarter would put the game out of reach. The Browns hold on to beat the Denver Broncos 17-14. to Dom, that's it from here. Back to you. All right. Thank you very much for that. Have a nice weekend, Philip. Me too. Let's get to some of today's top trending stories, which include a horror movie home a Nobel Prize up for auction, and a new oil-themed resort. Silvana Hinao is here with those on and more. Silvana. Hey, hey, Dom. All right, so in case the movie wasn't quite immersive enough for you, the house used in the 1984 horror film, The Nightmare on Elm Street, is up for sale for $3.25 million. The house had been used in exterior shots as Nancy Thompson's house, where Freddy Krueger visits teenagers in their dreams. The house had last sold to Hustlers director Lorene Scarfaria in 2013 for $2.1 million. Offers are being accepted on the house until Halloween. If you aren't planning on winning a Nobel Prize anytime soon, you may still be able to own one. A Nobel Prize from 1980 is going up for auction with a minimum bid of $200,000. The Golden Award had originally gone to the father of immunogenetics, George D. Snell, for his work that led to life-saving organ transplantation. And a new water park is opening in the Arabian Gulf on a converted oil rig. The park, called The Rig, will boast 11 restaurants and three hotels, as well as roller coasters, bungee jumping, and skydiving. Visitors will be able to access The Rig via a helicopter or ferry. And let's get a check on the top trending stocks on CNBC.com right now. The 10-year Treasury, no, Digital World Acquisition, Tesla, Funware, and Snap. Dom? I mean, let's talk a little bit about this oil rig theme park. I'm intrigued. Very. I, th- I think I would do it. I think I would too, right? It, it sounds pretty fun. It's I, very interesting. I, the, the water slide intrigues me. Yeah. Because that, that looks like it's, I, I, it's not, I'm not, talking, not just a water slide, but like a water roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it, it looks very cool. It, it really does. So what, 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 would, what would be your thing, Silvana? I think the water slide. Yes. Yeah. Definitely the water slide. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're in agreement there. So, uh, thank you very much for that. Sure Still ahead on the show, federal health officials giving the green light for boosters for more COVID vaccine makers. Details on when those additional shots may be available. 
And if you haven't already done so, please follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple or Spotify or your podcast app of choice. Worldwide Exchange audio format. We'll be right back. Snap shares SmackDown after missing revenue figures over Apple's recent privacy changes and spelling bad news for other tech and social media companies. Speaking of tech, taking it on the chin, shares of Intel also pulling back as it feels the fallout over the global chip shortage and the world's largest retailer reportedly getting into the crypto game as Walmart looks to offer its shoppers access to Bitcoin. Not fake news this time. It's October 22nd. You are watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I am Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan on this Friday morning. And here's how your money and investments are looking as we are halfway through the 5 a.m. Eastern time hour. Stock futures right now are just about stable. The Dow is only implied lower by or now it's higher by 13 points. The S&P lower by two points and the Nasdaq down by 50 points. Now, one sector to watch today. App developers initially getting a bump after Google announced it would reduce the company's cut from subscriptions on its Android app store. Now, shares of Bumble jumping 7 percent on yesterday on that news. Duolingo shares surging 13 percent and Roblox climbing 6 percent as well. You can see there when they cut their fees. Yes, profitability might improve for some of these app developers and platforms. We got some more on that story coming up. Now to more of your top morning's top stories. Silvana Hinao is back with those. Good morning, Silvana. Hello, Dom. All right, Dom. So the CDC has approved booster shots for Moderna and Johnson & Johnson's COVID vaccines. The agency's advisory committee on immunization practices recommending the Moderna booster for elderly people and at-risk adults six months after they got the second shot. The CDC endorsing J&J boosters for everyone 18 and older who received the initial shot at least two months ago. Those boosters could be available as soon as today. The panel didn't specify which vaccine should be used as a booster, instead letting doctors decide whether to mix and match the company's vaccines. A panel of regulators have approved a series of recommendations aimed at helping the federal government prevent climate-related risks to the financial sector. The report does not order member agencies to take any direct regulatory action, and it also does not call for mobilizing the financial sector against the fossil fuel industry. Instead, it lays out steps regulators should take to help the U.S. match other countries who have already strong measures in place. And Walmart is apparently allowing some shoppers to buy Bitcoin in stores. According to reports, customers can buy the crypto at 200 Coinstar kiosks in some U.S. stores. This comes after Walmart found itself at the center of false headlines, connecting it to a partnership with Litecoin. Dom? Very interesting for sure there. Silvana, thank you for for that. This morning's top biggest money movers, you've got shares of Snapchat, parent company Snap Inc., Sinking in the pre-market after third quarter earnings and fourth quarter forecasts fell short of some analysts' expectations. Snap CEO Evan Spiegel blaming the disappointing report on global supply chain issues, softening demand for ad spending and changes to Apple's privacy rules as well. While we anticipated some degree of business disruption, the new Apple-provided measurement solution did not scale as we had expected making it more difficult for our advertising partners to measure and manage their ad campaigns for iOS. 
All right, on the heels of Snap's bad quarter, shares of other social media giants that rely heavily on ad revenues are falling as well, as you can see there. Names like Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Alphabet down in the pre-market trade anywhere from around 2 to around 4%. So joining me now is James Chalkmuck, partner and tech analyst at Clockwise Capital. You've seen those quotes right now. They're down. They're not down massively. Snap, obviously, the epicenter of all of this. Should all of these companies and investors in them be worried about Apple's changes? And is it going to be a lingering effect? No, I don't think so. I think I think what you the way you have to look at it is the same way you look at regulation. You know, which companies can navigate regulatory changes. And in this case, you know, the regulatory changes are coming from Apple where they have to operate in a new world. Um, that that app with the rules that Apple set. So the biggest companies that uh, have the resource to do that will be able to prosper in the end. And that includes Amazon, Google, as well as Facebook. But the niche companies have a much, much harder hill to climb. And when you look at Snapchat last night, I mean, that was a store classic example of monster ex- expectations with a monster multiple. And so it shouldn't be a surprise to see uh, what happened there. I think the issue is, you know, we don't know exactly where the bottom is for these niche players like the Snapchats of the world. And uh, in terms of uh, how much impact iOS changes can have. And I think neither does Snapchat. So 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 then how, how do then those companies, James, how do those types of companies, the niche ones or the ones that, that don't have a broader range platform? How exactly mm-hmm. then do they navigate those waters? What do they have to do to then get their ad revenues back? and then growing at some kind of a decent clip again? Uh, well, first, they have to the, change their mindset um, because it's been the advertising and the targeting has been predominantly delivered based off of the data that they can collect you know, across the web through tracking and, and, and whatnot. But they have to increase their capabilities on the first-party side. And I think conceivably, they have to think about more statistically, you know, more traditional statistically-driven um, uh, advertising metrics that perhaps not are strictly ROI based in terms of ad spend, like the Facebooks of the world. So I think it's it's a very difficult battle for them. You know what you're seeing right now. Snapchat, for example, had to deal with issues where Facebook copied them, but this is the first time these companies, these newer niche companies, are facing a huge secular change, akin to the one that Facebook had to uh, face when the world was moving from desktop to mobile. So all these bigger companies have been tested in that regard. And I think um, that's where the bias needs to be uh, in terms of positivity. Is there a view on your end? You're, you're an investor in, in, in these types of companies. Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there a view on your end as to which companies are better positioned to outperform given the visibility on this kind of, uh, I guess, regulatory, so to speak, effort that's being made by Apple and maybe others down the line? Sure. I think Amazon and Google easily in the forefront, given the preponderance of their first party data and the and the robustness of the data that they're able to collect in, in terms of gathering uh, characterizations and interest profile around users. Um, Facebook uh, would be uh, one step down from that, given the fact that they did have to rely on third party in terms of driving app install ads, predominantly in gaming. Uh, and then it's everybody else. Okay, and then who would you stay away from in that kind of environment the, the most? Which, which one has perhaps the, the, the most unclear outlook, given what we've seen? 
<laughs> I think it's that everybody else bucket. You know, that includes the Twitters, the Pinterest, the uh, the uh, the Snapchats of the world. You know, anybody else. I mean, if if you're not big with billions of users and 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 being a, a strict destination every single day for people, I think it's going to be tough out there, especially wow. with the valuations that we're seeing. All right. James Schockbach, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thanks. Turning now to another mover of the morning, we've got Intel. Shares down big after the company reported weaker than expected sales and blamed the industry-wide shortage for the shrinking of its PC chip business. Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger also telling CNBC that he does not expect this chip shortage to level out until the year 2023. Those shares down 10% right now. Joining us now is Chris Casso, Managing Director at Raymond James. I mean, Chris... The computer chip shortage is something we've talked about for a while. Why is Intel the one bearing the brunt of this more than all of its other mega cap, large cap type brethren? Well, we don't think that the, the, the reason for the weakness in the shares today or really the problems that Intel has it really has anything to do with, with the chip shortage right now. Um, the, the, the issue that Intel's been dealing with, and, and this is the reason we downgraded the stock to an underperform uh, earlier this year, is that they're well behind in process technology. They need to catch up, and uh, they've got a very strong competitor, AMD, uh, that is is now leading the market. What we learned from Intel last night is the massive investment that they will need to make in order to try to catch up. And this was Pat Gelsinger's plan when he came on board earlier this year. So what they said was it would be a 25 to $28 billion uh, annual investment uh, for the next few years. And obviously, that has a big effect on gross margins. Um, so really, for investors who are bullish on the stock, what you have to accept is there's a very, very strong investment that you'll have to make over the next couple of years, eating up most of Intel's free cash flow uh, for what we think is an uncertain return. So so we think that's the that's the real issue at play here. Is, is the dividend safe at Intel right now, given the free cash flow concerns and, and, and the allocation of capital towards capex in this kind of environment chris yeah i think right now I'm, I'm i'm not particularly concerned about the dividend itself but i will say in our model uh for 2022 now we, we do have them burning uh some degree of cash uh and, and certainly i think you have a scenario where they probably don't generate free cash flow uh for at least the next two years based on the investment that they're going to make um so i'm not they they have a you know good cash balance they have borrowing capability. I don't think the dividend's at risk, but certainly free cash flow is at risk now. If you take a look at the competitive environment that, that Intel is dealing with, you mentioned AMD before. The, the competition for investing dollars right now is also big. Semiconductors have been a hot part of the market. They're, they're not far from record highs as a group right now. So, so if, if you have an underperform there, where then do you go? Do, do you stay away from Intel and go to NVIDIA? Is it AMD, like you mentioned, from a competitive standpoint before? Are there other niche semiconductor companies that will outperform, given what Intel's going through right now? Yeah, so there's, there's, there's quite a few names that, that we still like in the space, because as you said, things are still in shortage, and, and the secular gainers are, are benefiting from that. Um, in fact, AMD, as an example, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're quite sure if AMD had more chip supply and they use CSMC as their supplier, uh, that they would be gaining more share. So, so uh, certainly AMD is one of the places that that we would go. Um, we've been bullish on Nvidia also. That's been a really good stock this year. They're also constrained, and right now they're going through a very good 
uh, cycle in, in their gaming products, in addition to the data center product, which is what really drives the stock because it's a leader in artificial intelligence. And in that case, both of those companies would probably be putting up stronger results than they otherwise would right now if they could get more supply. Also, one of the things we talk about with regard to the, the, the supply chain issue, Chris, is just how much the auto industry has been affected by this. Is that going to be part of a story for a while now for the chip shortages? Are, are we going to see those chips really start to, I, I guess, make their way back into the system? And how long do you think it takes before the, the whole supply chain issue for computer chips really starts to resolve itself? Is it next year? Is it not until 2023? At this point, the consensus from the companies and, and the customers that we speak to is that uh, we don't get back to any degree of supply-demand balance until the middle of 2022. And uh, there is capacity coming online, but right now, as we stand here now, you know, as compared to three months ago, the, the difference between you know, what the customers want and what the chip makers are able to supply has actually gotten wider. Um, so it, it is going to take a, a few quarters. What investors are worried about, though, and semis is a very cyclical industry. And any time you have shortages like this, you know, the fear is that they overshoot, they start to build inventory. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why the this, this space has you know, kind of traded sideways for a couple of months now on that fear that when things are good, they get too good and roll over. You know, our view is 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 the problem that often happens in semis that that overshipment that that, that happens probably isn't for a couple of quarters from now. And, and auto is a great example because, you know, go out and try to find a vehicle. You can't find one and, and chips are the reason. And it's going to take a while to just rebuild the inventories of the components. It's going to take a while to rebuild the inventory of the, of the finished inventory just so you have vehicle on, on dealers lots. All right. Big, big deal for sure there. Chris Casso over at Raymond James. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Coming up on the show, more of your money morning's big money movers, including what has shares of Boston beer falling flat. But first, as we head off to break, some of your other top stories. Western Digital's talks to merge with Japanese chipmaker Kyoku Holdings have reportedly stalled, according to the Wall Street Journal. They say that the talks over the $20 billion deal are on hold, but still could be revived at some point. Western Digital shares up half a percent pre-market. The Journal also reporting that Facebook is struggling to detect and deal with users creating multiple accounts. The report says the issue is raising fresh questions over how the social media giant measures its actual audience. And Robinhood CEO says the waitlist for its recently announced crypto wallet has more than one million people. CEO Vlad Tenev making that announcement at CNBC's Disruptor 50 Summit just yesterday after Robinhood announced it was testing the feature last month. Time for more of your morning's big money movers. First up, Mattel. The supply chain Grinch will not steal the toy maker's Christmas this year. The company raising its sales forecast, predicting a strong holiday season. Mattel has pulled production forward, contracted more container ships, and secured access to more ports to try to navigate industry-wide shipping disruptions. Those shares up just about 6.5% no, in the pre-market trade. It's not the same story for Whirlpool. It says shortages of dishwashers and refrigerators will likely stretch into next year as supply chain issues hit production and consumer demand remains high. Whirlpool says delays have grown as it waits for parts, leading back to SPAC orders of six weeks on average for some of its products. Those shares down three and a half percent in the pre-market trade. And stock number three is Boston Beer, the maker of Sam Adams, posting a third quarter loss. It's also cutting its guidance for the rest of the year because of slower than expected growth in sales 
of its truly hard seltzer brand. Those shares off three and a half percent pre-market. And then finally, WeWork. Shares are rising more than 13 percent as the office sharing firm finally went public through a SPAC merger. That caps a long journey for a company that was once valued as high as $47 billion, but its initial, initial IPO plans imploded. You'll remember back in 2019, again, those shares down fractionally in the pre-market trade after a big move yesterday. On deck for the show, John Ajarian lays out where he's seeing the options action, including one of this week's earnings darlings. And if you haven't already done so, please follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple or Spotify or your podcast app of choice. Again, Worldwide Exchange, audio format. We'll be right back. That's a live shot of Washington, D.C. right there, the Capitol building. Still so much happening, so many variables in seeing whether President Biden's economic agenda goes through and has some signs of life there. Some of your top stories this morning. Shares of Evergrande on the rise in overseas trading after the Chinese property developer reportedly made a key bond payment. According to Reuters, the embattled company made the roughly $83 million payment today after missing it last month. That triggered a 30-day grace period, which was set to expire tomorrow. Had Evergrande missed that deadline, it would have formally entered some sort of default situation in Hong Kong trading. Those Evergrande shares, you can see there, down 82% on a year-to-date basis, but up about 4% in the pre-market trade. Still a very long way to go. Back here in the United States, President Biden says he's close to striking a deal with Democrats to pass his infrastructure and spending measures. Biden giving that optimistic outlook amid the ongoing internal party fighting during a CNN town hall last night. But the president added that raising corporate tax rates was not likely to be part of that plan, with a separate minimum corporate tax proposal likely funding the trillions of dollars in new spending. And then Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic says he expects an interest rate hike will come later next year. Speaking on Closing Bell just yesterday, Bostic said some of the economic challenges stemming from the COVID-19 pandemic will fade and make way for stronger growth. One challenge, though, he does not see fading is inflation. This is going to last into 2022. Uh, part of what uh, the, the ultimate answer to how long this will take will be uh, will be how quickly we resolve some of the, 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 the uh, coronavirus issues as well as some of the supply chain challenges that are happening at a global level. All right. Bostic adds that if the Fed needs to take steps to control rising prices, he will encourage the central bank to take definitive steps to prevent deeper damage. Well, back to the markets with the S&P hovering near that new record high while the Dow looks to recapture its own fresh high. We also want to take a look at what's been driving some of the action so far this month, because that inflation narrative has been a very key part of that story. If you take a look at the two most performing, the two top performing sectors in the S&P over the course of this month to date period, it is maybe no surprise energy and materials. Those two cyclical or economically sensitive sectors, you can see there are up 10% for energy and roughly 7% for materials. Meanwhile, the S&P 500 overall is up roughly 5 to 6%. So you can see energy materials leading the way higher, showing perhaps that real assets or commodities are some of those 
drivers of that trade as, as, as of the current state. We also want to take a look at the 10-year Treasury note yield, indicating again, confirming perhaps that inflation narrative is part of the story. Right now, the 10-year current Treasury note yield is 1.69%. The reason why it's important, that's the highest level going all the way back to May of this year. And you'll recall just about 1.76% was the high that we saw earlier this spring. So again, that's going to be the level. If we get back up to those highs, that could be a sign again that that persistent inflation story may be taking a little bit more hold. And one place that's interesting that we want to focus on, every time we've talked about inflation in the past, we've talked about gold prices. Well, these days, gold prices aren't doing anything like they've done when inflationary parts have been part of the story in the past. Gold futures, 1793 right now, they've been pretty much locked in a trading range over the course of the last several months not doing much of anything, you would have expected in years past that if inflation had been part of the story, that gold prices would be rising alongside. So an interesting development, a divergence, if you will, in that part of the market. Gold certainly not showing signs of inflation, while many other parts of the market are. Well, one of the key stock stories this morning is Snap. Those shares plunging, as the company says, Ad sales are being hurt by privacy changes that Apple rolled out earlier to its iOS devices. That's making it harder for companies that sell ads based on information they collect on users' interests and location. All that data. Snap slump also impacting other major social media stocks, as you can see there. Facebook down 4% pre-market. Twitter down 4%. Alphabet, the parent company of Google, down 2% and 3% declines for Pinterest as well. Social media really taking it on the chin this morning. For more on the trading day ahead and where the options action is, let's bring in John Najarian. You know him. He's the Market Rebellion co-founder, also a CNBC contributor, a a feature on the Halftime Report. Dr. Najarian, it's good to see you this morning. I I wonder, as you talk all about the the market and where it's at, does it surprise you that we're back to record highs for the S&P 500 in such a short time and that it's those cyclical, economically sensitive sectors that have led the way higher? Um, I, I guess it uh, it does a little bit, Dom. But uh, like I say, I, I think the the next batch of earnings will be really telling. Um, for instance, uh, Tesla. Tesla was one of those stocks that they actually deliver a product, just like Apple is about to on what the twenty seventh of October. They're going to be coming out with their earnings, and these guys deliver products rather than. Uh, something that is uh, ethereal, like you were just talking about, for instance, the social media stocks um, and how they track you. Uh, that's a different sort of uh, business model, if you will, Dom, than the people that actually sell you things. But the good news is that people that sell you things, and I keep saying this, that come in boxes, except for Tesla, of course, that'd be a big box. Um, the people that sell you things uh, we're seeing a lot of interest in those consumer discretionary names, Dom. And that is one of the things that I think keeps driving uh, the markets higher is that the consumer just is willing to spend. And even though inflation has picked up dramatically, the consumer, at least so far, is continuing to put that cash out there. And, you know, John, where do you think that confidence from the consumer is coming from? And, and then by, by relation Where is the confidence from investors in that consumer coming from? Uh, Ultimately, why is the consumer going to still be the driving force behind this next leg higher, perhaps, in the market? 
Well, um, you know, all the usual suspects, Dom, uh, pent up demand, more cash than they've had. Uh, they've paid down debt and so forth. So I, I think the consumer is the one out there spending, whereas uh, big business has been borrowing at a pretty frenzied pace and borrowing as they should because the cash is so cheap. Um, but the consumer, um, that's something that, you know, they can actually go out and do more things now. Um, the TSA data confirms that people are flying certainly in big numbers. It's not the business travelers. It's, uh, you know, I don't see a lot of people wearing suits that are getting on the plane right now, Dom. Um, it's a lot of people with pillows around their necks and so forth. So that's uh, a, a recreational flyer, not a business flyer. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing those business travelers get back out there. But from what we've heard, that may be a year or more uh, before we start seeing that. But consumer discretionary, definitely a hot sector. I've got some stocks for you that we've seen flying in the last few days. So, so, so what's the, I, I was about to ask you, what, what, what stocks are they? I mean, when we talk about consumer discretionary, it's perhaps people think right away, maybe Amazon, I guess, is the, is the best way to do it right now, given, given what's been happening. Is, is it just Amazon and then, and then everybody else? I mean, I, I leave out Walmart only because I, I, I worry sometimes, because technically speaking, it's a consumer staples company, even though it's the biggest retailer out there, bricks and mortar wise. But, but, but then how do you play that consumer trade? Is it just Amazon or, or do we look for smaller players out there to maybe play catch up in terms of valuation? Well, you know, I've, I've got QSRs. I've got, you know, quick serve restaurants like McDonald's. Um, big upside call buying in McDonald's. I'm looking here at the machine. We've got earnings are due out the 27th also in McDonald's. And they've continued to bet on upside, upside, upside uh, in McDonald's. And it's been climbing from, uh, you know, the 230s up into the 240s and so forth. Uh, and a lot of the bets are that they will beat going into those earnings. Tesla, um, that stock uh, made that pretty dramatic reversal after selling off Dom on the earnings announcement uh, and then zip right to the upside. And now they're buying a ton of calls at the November 900 strike. So certainly a pretty big bet there. And that's, I guess, uh, not exactly a discretionary, but uh, definitely one of those things that consumers uh, have just had almost insatiable demand for that kind of car. And just as you started off with Amazon, um, we've had, what, an 8% move in two weeks, two and a half weeks out of Amazon. They continue to buy upside calls that expire at the 3,500 strike right now. Um, so yeah, all three of those stocks seeing a lot of pent up demand and uh, moving uh, from the lower left to the upper right on the charts. All right. Amazon, a key stock to watch for sure, not just there, but elsewhere in the market as well for just about every index fund. John and Jerry, and thank you very much. Have a nice weekend, sir. You too, Dom. Thank you. All right. That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Let's check out the futures trade right now ahead of the opening bell. The Dow implied higher by just about 13 points. The S&P 500 implied lower by two. The Nasdaq lower by 50 points. The S&P hitting a fresh intraday high just yesterday. That does it for us here. Squawk Box picks up the coverage coming up next. Have a nice weekend. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.